0: i want to speak about i'm actually halfway through um through a, a, a very practical series uh, looking at what the bible says about um about money uh, but less can be more that's about materialism about um stress is bad about uh, debt and saving and god giving us a plan uh, and uh, we're going to go on to you'll be pleased to know that giving is good but you're really looking forward to that one, so. Uh, so, so um, but uh, I felt this week I wanted to. I had a phrase that was on my mind, and um, and I just wanted to talk about it. And uh, it, it's the phrase that um, that we're walking down unfamiliar paths, and I think that's true for us as uh, a church, and it's certainly true for I'm sure for many individuals here. So that's that's what's on on my mind. So. I want to share something quite simple uh, from the Bible as we go on. But uh, it may be because, is this echoey? sounds echoey to me. Okay, maybe it's just me. Um, Now I was 58 last week. I know, hard to believe that no one's saying that. But anyway, uh, I I was 58 last week, so it may be that I've had an attack of nostalgia. I I don't know. But I started looking back. uh, We've been here 16 years so I keep saying that. It'll be 17 soon. It seems to have been 16 a long time. But anyway, we've been here about 16 years. And I clearly uh, remember when, when it became clear we were moving to Worcester, that um, I, I clearly remember getting a bit of paper and taking a day out, saying, well, what am I going to do when I move there then? I'm, I'm, I'm what, and just praying and, and, and saying, looking inside myself and looking at things, that people here believe God had said, and saying, well, what will it be like? And just scribbling on, on a bit of paper things. And, um, and I wrote things down like a grace-filled church. Uh, I didn't know exactly what that even meant. But it means that we're saved, we become Christians entirely by God's grace. We can't do anything to earn merit with God. The very opposite. We'll, we have to receive forgiveness as a, as a free gift won by Jesus at the cross, uh, So it's that kind of thing, but it's also that I know churches that believe that, but actually aren't very gracious to each other. Do you, do you know what I mean? They're very proud to believe the right things, but aren't always very kind to each other. And, and I believe a grace-filled church can be nice to each other because God has been nice to them. Uh, I don't know if that's the right way of putting it. I'm sure there's more biblical ways to put it, but God has been extremely kind to me. Uh, I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it, but he's forgiven me my sins. He's adopted me into my family so I can afford to be nice to others. And I think that's something. Jesus said things like that, didn't he? <laughs> he came to demonstrate the love of God, but also taught us to love one another as Christians. And, and that's what it means to be in a grace-filled church. It also means that God, in his grace, has given us little gracelets, little gifts, and we differ from one another. You may have noticed that's why we annoy each other so much. Uh, but it's also part of the richness of God's church, that some people really love people, but they're not very interested once they're Christians because they've got an evangelistic love. They, they want to care for people. It's not that they don't, but they really care about the people that aren't here this morning. They care about those who don't know Jesus yet. And that's great. So we want to build a church where if you're an evangelist, you, you feel you've got a place that you don't have to go and do something else. You can be part of the church and, and reach out to people. Or, or if you're a prophet, because we believe those guys are st- still around and alive and well. In other words, if you're someone who really cares about what's God saying and doing now, not a Bible teacher particularly, then, then we want you to feel at home. Or if actually what you really want to do is care for the poor and, and you, and you, and you want to minister and love and give to people, whatever your gifts are, you want to build a church where that's welcome. And I, I'm... I'm getting emotional. Do you know, I wish sometimes I wasn't built like this, but it's just, you have to forgive me, I I was built soppy, but I'm just so thrilled that we're like that. Something God's done, this wasn't in the plan, Um, and we had, uh, and I wrote down on the thing that we'd be a doorway of hope, and uh, I love our name, I really do. It's a great name, Carl. Flip. <laughs> so embarrassing. Um, uh, I wrote down that we would export hope to other places. That we would be at a local church, and primarily, that's what we are. But that that what works, what works locally, we'd export to other places. If that like, we don't want to, you don't want to export what doesn't work. That just causes trouble don't want to pretend to be what you're not. But, but what works, we want to export. And I was just looking back, being a bit soppy and, and thinking, I'm, I'm just so grateful that by God's grace, he's allowed us to, to plant a little church in Malvern, to send people to plant in Cheltenham, to help establish some church plants in South Wales, one in Bath. That. So grateful that uh, guys in Redditch are part of us here in Hope, seeking to plant a church there. And just think, well, God's done that. You know, it would be nice to say we had a great grand strategy, but you know me, so I can't, so, so I can't get away with that. Uh, we didn't have a great strategy. It's just something we have prayed about and God in his mercy uh, has done. And, and he's, he's opened up doors for us to serve internationally. So I, I was pinching myself in Rwanda a couple of weeks ago thinking, what, what, am, I, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm, I'm the sixth son of a gardener. That's it really what, what am i dear and people coming over from congo and you te- open up the bible teaching leaders the bible and you think wow god's god's done that for us ken and heather have been there established a school that's growing like topsy in in, in kampala we're having and look at us we're not very big really to ha- be having an effect elsewhere our last zone building offering we were able to tithe it and build another building for a church plant in, in a place called Sita. I was visited there a couple of weeks ago. It's like a giant garden shed. But, but we built that giant garden shed. And, and they're reaching out with the gospel there. So God is good to us, isn't he? Hasn't he been good? And uh, one of the things, probably the last thing I wrote on that building, I like, would oh, put a minute that we would have a ministry amongst the poor, though I knew that's not really my gifting. And, and, and God has been good to us. So reading about all that we partner with good soil and just seeing that God's provided a house and, or is providing a house. And some of us, uh, some of you guys were there decorating it yesterday and getting covered in paint in the process. Uh, that's, that's really good. That's so good. And by God's grace, we have now three congregations, four with Redditch, I suppose, which is great. So God's done great things. And, and one of the last things I, I wrote down was that because of all of that, vision that god not just not my imagination it's things that different people felt from the lord because of that one day we would need and be given a building that 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 sort of necessitates that really you need you need a base you need somewhere to extend that work and to bless others in the city and um so a few years really that's been on the list like 16 17 years in my tiny brain and we've prayed about it not very often and then a few years ago uh, when we were in uh, a conference, uh, someone was talking about buildings, I think, and said uh, that verse from Revelation, I set before you an open door. What God opens, no man can shut. And so we started to be a bit, a bit more serious. So we, we looked at a few few building plots. We, put on, uh, we looked at one that was bought by the mosque, so, so um couldn't share that. And uh, then we, we looked at another one. We looked at a sub post office. We tried to bo- um, buy that, but we didn't. Offer enough money, and finally we found the granary, a building in town next to ASDA's it's a dirty great um, Victorian um, warehouse, and um, right in the centre of town, right in, in the marketplace. And uh, to be honest, it's been an a- agony buying it. It kept looking like the door would shut constantly. Very awkward purchase in every way you can imagine. But but God kept the door open, and we have bought it. And um, and um, really, we're doing what we can do all the way along. This is the story of our church, isn't it? We do what we can do, and then we see what God does. Uh, because you can't do any more than you can do. I don't know if you've discovered that. It feels like sometimes you're trying, but you can only do what you can do, and then you see what God can do. But you must do what you can do. Uh, otherwise, you tends to think, well, why aren't you doing what you can do? So, but when we do what we can do, he does the rest. So we're looking to God for... An enormous amount of money, uh, more than we can actually, um, more than I can imagine that we can give. Although only God knows what's there. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's a very rich father. Um, The challenge is he keeps all his money in other people's bank bank accounts. (laughs) So we're looking to God in that way, and we're praying for a a million plus pounds, I think, uh, now. But God's our provider, and we're taking small steps. Small steps of faith. So we're we're meeting builders, we're meeting architects, we're we're meeting Baptist Union administrators who've been amazingly helpful uh, and kind to us. We're meeting bankers, but we're also meeting we're also meeting people in the city, we're meeting meeting councillors, we're meeting people from the museum, we're meeting the artistic community, we're meeting all sorts of people and, and you know, people are really for us, which is it's been a bit of a shock, really, but it's, it's great. People, people want us to have a great building to serve the city, and uh, I think that's, that's tremendous. So how will God provide that? I'll get to the talk in a minute. Uh, it'll be a bit shorter. Um, don't worry about the talk. <laughs> Julie's heard me before, obviously. Um, how might God, I've been thinking, how might God provide it? I've, I've got three suggested ways. One, sacrificial generosity plus miracles. And God does do them. I was reading the other day about some, some P- Peter, Jesus had to pay taxes, and he, he sent Peter to go fishing. Do you, ever, do you remember that story? And Peter caught a fish, and it had all the money inside the fish's mouth for taxes. I thought, I don't think that's going to happen, but if any of you feel inclined and find a million-pound check in the mouth of some dirty fish in the River Severn, I'll be, I'll be delighted. Who knows? Generosity plus miracles. I mean, I I know people who have been miraculously provided uh, with buildings. Uh, That's one way. Here's another one. Sacrificial generosity plus grants. We're we're looking at that. We're being diligent and thorough and looking to who might give us money. It's not very clear that anyone will, but God knows. Or how, how about this? Generosity plus loans. We can't borrow very much because, unfortunately, you have to pay back what you borrow. We've talked about that in previous weeks. But, so, but there's some or maybe a combination of all three or maybe something completely different. I don't know. But I just want to say just as, as sort of uh, the, the leader of the leadership team, as it were, just appreciate your continued prayers. And also, all of, you may have noticed, all of those three have sacrificial generosity in them because we do have to do what we can do. And, and by the way, being generous doesn't mean necessarily giving a vast amount. It might do. It means giving what God tells you to give, being generous. So as, as we pray towards our gift day at the end of the month, and please excuse me if you're visiting us. hope you don't mind us doing a bit of family stuff. Uh, uh, just, just ask God, Lord, how can I be generous? And, and he'll direct you. That might be a widow's mite, a little bit, but quite a big bit of what you've got, or, or it might be something else. But just uh, pray and then give uh, generously. That's the... Um, 29th of April. So I, I want, in, that, in that mode, I want to talk about being led down unfamiliar paths, because for us as a church, we, we are walking down unfamiliar paths. Um, God has led us, so we're now one church with three congregations, a Friday night congregation, this congregation, which numerically is the largest, I suppose, but some are here from the others as well, uh, and then a Sunday evening uh, congregation. Uh, in the middle of the estate in, in Dines Green and a group in Redditch, uh, which is an unexpected blessing. So, so God's leading us in ways that we, we didn't really plan for, but it seems to be what God has opened up to us so we can be confident and walk one step at a time with him. So I, I just also think that what tends to happen is what you're going through as a church, individuals live and go through as well. And uh, I've often found that things I'm going through are reflected in the church or, or maybe vice versa. So I, I know and I'm sure that there'll be others of us here who, in our lives, feel, well, I've not done this before. I'm, I'm walking down this path and, and, and maybe there's a roadblock and I've got to go off a different way. Or I, I, I just feel I've reached a stage where God's telling me to do something new and different and I, I, I'm not sure about it. Uh, 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 and I feel maybe a little bit lonely or maybe a little bit uncertain. So I just want very simply to give some top tips from three scenarios in, in the Bible. And the first is Abraham. God came to Abraham. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 12. <coughs> he didn't know God, by the way. He was from a moon culturing, uh, moon worshipping culture. And it says in Genesis 12 verse 1, The Lord said, had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. And then in verse 4 it says, So Abraham went because the Lord had told him. God just said to him, Go from your country, different culture, go from your people, leave your family behind, leave your father's household and go to the land I will show you. That, if you think about it, because we've read the story, we just think, Oh yeah, Abraham moved. It, it, it was much bigger than abraham moving he was changing everything changing culture changing faith changing his environment changing family changing everything he lived in a magnificent city called ur it was in the fertile crescent it was it was the capital of a huge culture a civilization beautiful buildings a sophisticated life, and he was leaving that and becoming a tent wanderer. That's, that's what he was becoming. That was, that was an unfamiliar path. And th- the truth is, most of us like to know what's happening in our lives because we're just built that way. We, 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 like, we like what's familiar. We like to know what's going to happen. We like to be able to predict how things will be, and anything other than that makes us feel a bit wibbly-wobbly on the inside. Maybe a little bit fearful, a little bit anxious. How's it going to work out? What will happen? We have a thousand questions. And Abraham was in exactly that situation, but he, he obeyed God and went. And, and I, I'm sure there are some here this morning that, that are not quite sure what's happening next for a whole host of different reasons. And so this talk is particularly for you. And uh, here's the first top tip. Embrace inconvenience. As a church, we, we have to embrace inconvenience. Times, times where it's a bit ragged, times where we're not quite sure what's happening. It must have been like that for Abraham, must not it? Can you imagine a, a lovely house and then you're in a tent in a desert? I mean, just all the things you don't have. I spent, I spent five days a couple of weeks ago in the, in the west of Uganda with, with no drains and no electricity and, and I realized what a townie I am. I actually loved it, but it was really nice to find piped water again, and drains. I'd never before, thank God, for a toilet seat, but I did. Those, 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 uh, and actually, it was fantastic experience and lovely, lovely people. But, but, it, for a city dweller, it was really inconvenient. All that sand. I mean, sand gets everywhere. Just you know, sand in your. Mm. Or sand you know those places sand in your sandwiches sand in your sand in your duvet or whatever abraham had camel hair things i don't know what he had just un, we have to if we're going to go places we got in our in our lives or in our church we have to embrace some un, uncomfortableness that's not a word is it but 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 it's good theology anyway we have to we have to embrace things that that get a bit ragged where we're not quite sure what will happen where we're we're uncertain embrace inconvenience. it is normal it is normal to have periods in our lives where we're not sure what's going to happen and we just have to trust god that's just normal here's another one don't look back don't look back. It's very easy when things are inconvenient, when things are up and down, to look back. The people of God were always doing that. Do you remember the, um, when they were released from slavery? You remember that story? The people of God were set free, uh, released from slavery, and, 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 and then as soon as anything got inconvenient, they started saying, Oh, do you remember those onions we used to have in Egypt? Oh, do you, oh, do you remember those onions? And you could imagine the Lord sitting up there saying, do you remember the slavery? Oh, yeah, but think of the onions. The on un- oh, oh, and the garlic that grows in Egypt. Oh, you see, oh, the bulb's that big. The, oh, oh, do you remember that garlic dressing? Oh, it was fabulous. Do you remember that? Yeah, but do you remember being whipped? Do you remember not having straw? Do you remember being oppressed? Oh, well, yeah, but it's really uncomfortable in the desert, and we don't know what's happening, and we've been camped here a while, and, oh, that, those are onions and that garlic we lose perspective and we can easily look backwards and say, oh, but everything was fabulous then. You can't go back. Do you remember the story of Lot's wife who, who looked, being rescued from a city that was full of sin and wickedness? God even sent angels to rescue them and yet she looked back. Don't look back. Keep walking with God wherever he leads you. Don't look back. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 84 verse 5 that says this, Blessed are those who set their hearts on pilgrimage. A pilgrim is someone who moves forward on a spiritual journey. Don't look back. Things may have gone wrong. Things may be uncertain. Set your heart to walk with the Lord. Set your heart on obeying him, walking with him. That's true for us as a church. It's also true for any individuals going through change at this moment. Don't look back. Know who's with you. You may not know exactly where you're going. Abraham certainly didn't. He had no route map, no destination. He didn't know exactly where he was going, but he did know who was with him. That's the most important thing, isn't it? To know that God is with you in times of uncertainty. To know the one who is with you. And so the presence of God and your relationship with him is the most important thing about you in times of uncertainty. That's true for us as a church. To know the presence of God, to know his presence with us, to walk with him, that's the most important thing. So that's Abraham. Here's another one, Caleb. Numbers numbers 13 is, I think, the story. Numbers 13. The story's moved on. Israel were about to go into the promised land, and Moses sends some spies to spy the land. And they come back, and they give give a bad report. Numbers 13, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole community at Kadesh in the desert, (coughs) and they reported to them, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey. Here's its fruit, but... There's always a but. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Big ugly blokes. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, all those ites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there, or of all the people we saw there, are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seem like grasshoppers in their own eyes, and we look the same to them. There's, there's a guy, a whole nation, a whole people, walking in unfamiliar paths. But, but Caleb, you know, was, he and Joshua were the only two that said, hey, we're not going to be intimidated. We're walking in ways we've not done before. We've got to possess new things. We've got new obstacles in front of us. But we can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. And one of the things we have to do is not give way to opinion. <laughs> yeah. That's a top tip, isn't it? When you get to times of uncertainty, I don't know about you, uh, and you, you cast around for advice, which is a good thing to do, you get a thousand different, uh, uh, different bits of advice. You can talk to six people. We talk to, Jim and I talk to people about, what about a coffee shop? And uh, do you know, every bit of advice you get from very wise people is completely different. So so one person will say, oh, you've got to have a coffee shop and you've got to run it yourself. Another one will say, you've got to have a coffee shop, but whatever you do, don't run it yourself. Another person will say, whatever you do, don't run a coffee shop. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? We can get confused, can't we? We have to be wise who we ask. But also there are some things I think God's maybe saying, "Eh, do what you like. (laughs) Or he's saying, well, I'll tell you what to do. That's even better. You just wait on me and I'll I'll show you. I'm just using that as an example that we mustn't be swayed by mere opinion. We have a God who walks with us. He says he'll never leave us and never forsake us. That if if we trust in him, he'll guide us step by step. That goodness and mercy will pursue us all the days of our life. And then we'll be with him forever. So we don't have to give way to fear. We don't have to give way to opinion. He stuck out, didn't he, Caleb? He said, we can certainly do it. He didn't give way to the grasshopper syndrome. Have you ever had the grasshopper syndrome? (laughs) He said, said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. In fact, come to think about it, I think I am a grasshopper. (laughs) Have you ever been there? (laughs) I'm just a grasshopper. Well, actually, you're, you're never a grasshopper. You're a child of God. We're a people of God, part of God's church in this lovely city. So we're never a nobody. We're we're never a nothing. We're loved by him. We sang it this morning, didn't we? Our father is the king of kings. The king of kings is our father. We're sons and daughters of the living God. So we don't have to give way to grasshopper syndrome. In fact, we can embrace a whole new identity. I don't know if you've ever read uh, one of those baby books to choose names. I quite lo- like flicking through ours because there's little ticks and question marks beside them. We think, blimey, were we going to call him back? It's quite, it's quite interesting <laughs> looking back. And if you look up Caleb, it usually says faithful because that's what, that's what, that's what Caleb came to mean. Because, because towards the end of the book of um, Joshua, I think it's in... Um, no, it's Numbers. Numbers 32, verse 12. It says that, that only Joshua and Caleb got through to the land because they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And so Caleb came to mean wholehearted or faithful. But actually the root word of Caleb in the, in the, um, in the Canaanite language actually meant dog. don't know if you knew that. Dog. Which is not very complimentary. And the Bible tells us that Caleb was the son of a bloke called Jephunneh. I don't know if you've heard this. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, were the only two who got right through to the land of milk and honey. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, but getting back to the sermon, Jephani, that was a Ketanite, and the Ket, they were Canaanites. They were a pagan. So his family was half israeli jewish the people of god and half totally pagan and he had the name probably a nickname as he was growing up dog which in the middle east is even worse than it is here i mean no one wants to be called dog but a dog is what you call someone that's not part of the people of god that doesn't really belong that's the runt of the litter you can tag along with us but you're not really part of us and and sometimes when you're walking down an a new path, when God is doing things in your life and you don't know quite what he's doing, it feels like, oh, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know quite what's going on. That's how it was for, for, for Caleb. And yet he overcome that, that sort of label placed on him. Do you ever feel that you've got labels placed on you? Oh, you'll never amount to anything. Oh, you're just weird what you're doing. Oh, or, or whatever. Different things that are placed upon you. Caleb had things placed upon him, and yet he had the favor of God on him. And he was one of only two people that trusted God and walked in new paths and walked all the way through 40 years of watching other people fade away and die. But he got what God promised him because he trusted God. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Will you follow, let's follow the Lord wholeheartedly as a church. We, we will have meetings that feel good we'll have meetings that feel strange we'll have some dull ones and some good ones but let's be wholehearted in following the lord our god can we do that and if you're going through times of change and difficulty just be wholehearted with god and that applies whatever age you are there's a lovely verse in joshua 14 when when caleb was 85 years old he he came to joshua and said now about that land that you promised me. I'm as old, I'm as vigorous now as I was 40 years ago. Give me that mountain. I, I love that. So I want to say to those who consider themselves old or older, I know for those who are young here think that's anyone over 25, but for the rest of us that have got a bigger perspective, for those who feel themselves old, keep pioneering. Not many people keep their edge to the end. Be one of them. Be one of them. I know you get a bit... I, I, I tried with my granddaughter to go on the, um, the multi-gym kids area in a, in a restaurant the other day. And I was, I'm not as bendy as I used to be. I thought they might find my skeleton in there in a few years' time. It was, it was a job to get out again. So, so, I, I, know, I know you get less energy as you get older, but that doesn't mean you can't be passionate for God. I, I know you, you get to a stage where, where actually your armchair is more appealing than going to group. I know that, and I know that sometimes you don't want to go out at night. I understand that, That's that's absolutely fine. That doesn't mean you can't pray. It doesn't mean you can't be passionate. It doesn't mean you haven't got wisdom that younger couples in the church need. It doesn't mean you can't lay hands on them, that you can't ask them, well, how's it going with your marriage, with your children? Be a Caleb, or a caleb S. Follow God wholeheartedly. Even if You don't know what's going on, and it's a new stage in your life. What about the guys in the fire? They're my third guys. Do you remember the guys in the fire in Daniel chapter 3? Sorry, this is a bit all over the place this morning. But there we are. I could have picked hundreds of examples in the Bible of people that walked down unfamiliar pathways. This is moving on in history, and the people of God have actually been exiled. They're They're in a foreign country. And there are three, three guys in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Strange names, I know. And uh, you get to the peak of the story in, in, in verse 16. The king set up a massive great idol and required everyone to bow down to it. Uh, and these, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I love that. They're respectful. They're calling him the king. But, but they're saying, but in this matter, we don't need to defend ourselves. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Still respectful. And I love this verse. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we won't, won't serve your gods or worship the image you set up. I, I love that. It's full of integrity, full of honesty, full of respect, but, there, but there's no fear. And it, it may be some of us, our, our, our area of conflict is, is in our job. It's in, it's in the world. And, and we're working with people who don't understand our values and, and don't get it. And I just want to say, always be respectful, but don't give way to fear. Always be respectful, but don't give way to fear. These guys had to, to make a stand. I, I won't bow down. I trust in God. He'll deliver us. And then I, I love that little bit in the end. But even if He doesn't, we're not bowing down anyway. <laughs> so you, you might roast us. We believe you won't roast us. We believe we'll be rescued. But by the way, if we're not rescued, we're still not bowing down. I, don't, you, don't you think? It's got a lovely realism to it, hasn't it? God's going to rescue us. By the way, if He doesn't, we're still not bowing down. We may be toast, but we'll be God-fearing toast. <laughs> it's, just, it's a wonderful story, isn't it? And do you know these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're Babylonian names that have been put on people that were actually worshippers of God. It's labels again. Shadrach means under the command of Aku. Shadrach. So under the command of Ak or Aku, which is the name of the Babylonian god of the moon. Somebody had come along to someone that loved Jesus and said, you're now going to be like this. This is what's required of you. You're under the authority of this moon god. Abednego means servant of Nebo, which is uh, the Babylonian god of, um, of wisdom. Meshach means who is equal to the great god Aku. They'd had this stuff plonked on them, but what they were saying was, no, actually, I'm, I'm not a slave of those gods, and I'm not going to be a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. And for some of us, that's what we need to hear. Oh, I've got this going on at work and that going on. I've been asked to do this and it's not right. And Well, okay, be polite, be respectful, be honoring, but be full of integrity and, and don't accept labels put on you. Be a child of God. Make a stand. And the wonderful story is they, they walked in the fire, didn't they? And, and, and the king looked in. It's, it's later on. And the king looked in and he said, how many guys did we throw in the fire? Wow, three. Are you sure there was three? Dave, are you sure there was three? I can see, I can see, I can see four people walk, walking in this blazing, and one of them looks like, looks like the son of God. What an, what an amazing experience. As far as I know, they're the only people that have walked around in fire with Jesus and then, and then come out without smelling and no singeing or anything. And then the king says, Well, let everybody worship their God. Don't know who he is, but let everyone worship their God. It's an amazing story of people that walk, and we could have talked about hundreds of more people, couldn't we? We could talk about David and Goliath, we could talk about Peter walking on water. But, but, but I, I know there'll be people who, who don't know what's happening, <laughs> and um, there's a roadblock, there's a diversion. You're uncertain, or God's leading you in new ways. And uh, I, I would like particularly just to pray for you. That's certainly true of us as a church. We, we're doing things we didn't know we would be doing. We've got a number of congregations. How do you do that? I don't know. But it seems to be fun. We're enjoying it. God's with us. People are becoming Christians. That's wonderful. How, how do you church plant? Well, you start and you see what happens. And you trust God. How do you, how do you build a building when you can't afford the building? I don't know. I do know that I'll be sacrificially generous, and, and so will you, I trust, and God will lead us. And, and really, you know, that's all, my, that's all I need to know. Because we're children of the living God. So if, if God's... Uh, I want to apply it particularly to individual, individually. If you feel, yeah, I, I don't know what the Lord's doing in my life, or I'm, I'm walking... In my life, down paths that I, 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 they're very unfamiliar. I've got to trust God. I'm trying to trust God. Uh, would you just stand? I'd love just to uh, commend you to the Lord and, and pray for you. Could, could you just stand if that's you? I know it would be some. Don't feel under pressure to stand. I, I don't. I don't need the. Uh, you know. Don't need a great response. That's great. If you If you're sitting, in someone that's uh, standing. Some of us I know are standing on the inside. But still sitting down, that's okay. I understand the embarrassment. If if you're um, sitting near someone that's standing up, would you you just place a hand on them? That's, That's nothing magical. It's just to say, yeah, I love you.